All those things you did to try to fill that void that only Jesus could fill. But when you allowed Jesus to fill your heart and you allowed Jesus to fill that void in your life, there was a joy that you walked in, right? There was a peace that you walked in. Now, not everything was perfect in your life. Come on, somebody help me today. Not everything was that perfect just because you said, Jesus, come into my life, right? Right? You still had you still had a parole officer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about. You still had habits that you had to deal with, right? But just because you said Jesus come into my heart didn't mean that things snapped different overnight. We had to walk through the process of discipleship to see those things change within our lives. And it really doesn't matter what you try to fill that void with. Nothing is going to take the place that Jesus should have in your heart and mind. And when he has that place, you walk in joy that doesn't come from anything that this world can give. It comes from the Father. And so today I want to, I want to give you some things that, that we have a tendency to do in our life that causes us to live incongruent and ungrateful lives. If you want to continue to have an ungrateful life, these are the things that you need to continue to do. If you're taking notes, number one is be consistent and focusing on your problems. Well, be consistent at focusing on your problems. You know, there's two types of people in this world. Those that wake up and say, good morning, Lord. And those that wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. It's amazing to me that God puts us together as couples Deanna gets up in the morning, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, singing Victory in Jesus with no coffee. In fact, she may go and not have coffee at all. It's a miracle. I don't know how it happens. But she gets up and she's, you know, she talks to Bentley and she marches to the house like a marching band, you know, slams cabinets, you know, gets up, gets ready. She's just excited, right? I wake up in the bed and I say, Holy Spirit, please help me to move my legs so that they touch the floor. And Lord, when they touch the floor, and I bring this big old body up on those feet, God, give my knees and my feet strength. Lord, help me make it to the coffee pot. There's a difference in and, and sometimes, you know, God in his infinite wisdom will put two, oh, Lord, it's mornings together. Boy, y'all never get anywhere on time. Right? You need that one that's, you know, they're up and, and more paint's on and they're just sitting at the door waiting for you to go. Right? Hey, where are you? So we all have different types of personalities, but we, we, we approach life differently. We may have to Remind ourselves that faith is an expectation of God doing what God said he was going to do. And the Bible says that the just, that's us, shall live by what? Faith. In other words, those of us who know the Lord should get up every morning, even though it may be a little bit different than maybe the, 
the spouse or someone else, a different personality type. But when we get up in the morning, our day and our mindset should be a mindset of faith because we live in faith. And faith is always expectant to God's plan, God's will, and God's goodness. But see, somewhere in life, we will begin to focus on all of the other stuff except on how faithful God is. Here in this passage of Scripture, we find David the psalmist saying, Look, I've prayed till I don't know how to pray anymore. I've lifted my hands till my, my, my arms are wore out. I've cried till I cannot cry any more tears. You ever been there? Have you ever felt like the prayers that you were praying were just bouncing off the ceiling and smacking you right back in the face? That may be what you feel. That's not what's happening. And even in David, as he began to say the first part of that prayer, acknowledging where he was at. See, that's one thing that we struggle at as believers. We try, we try to fake it till you make it. Why don't you just be honest about where you're at? And then allow God to get you where he wants you to be. David said, I, I, I pray. I, I mean, I, I've cried. I've lifted my hands. I've laid prostrate. I've done it all. But then something different in that passage of scripture. He said, but then my spirit reminded me. He said, then I began to remember what God used to do. Oh, I wish somebody would help me today. I, sometimes when we're in the midst of focusing on all the stuff that's going wrong, we forget to think about how good God really is and how faithful he's been to us. I don't know about you, but I shouldn't even be here today. But by the grace and the goodness of God, I'm even alive. And yet if we're not careful, as believers, we'll think that the whole world is against us. And that if the whole world's against us, that God's against us. That's not faith. Faith is the expectation of things hopeful. The evidence of the unseen. It's saying that I know what it may look like, but my faith and my God is bigger than whatever I'm seeing and facing. Oh, Jordan Jensen wrote a song, bigger than any mountains, bigger than any fear. That I can or cannot see. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. See, when we begin to focus on our problems and we set our mindset on failure and we set our mindset on the frustration that's before us, we lessen God's ability. Jesus said this in Matthew 9, 29. He said, according to your faith, be it done to you. According to your faith, be it done to you. What's he saying? He's saying that if you live by faith and you believe by faith, you receive by faith. And just like David in his troubled time had to look to the Lord and remind himself of the faithfulness of God. I'll never forget Dion and I when we were in Bible college. We were poor. We were so poor we could only afford one O in the poor. That's poor. We'd window shop at the grocery store. That's how bad it was. And uh, and I'll never forget, I came home one time, and look, if you've got beans, you got a meal. 
Right. right. Come on, Southern folks. Shout amen right there. Like if you, you get a, just a bean and a rotten onion. You cut the, the black stuff off and just you got beans and an onion. You got a bean. Come on. Right? But I remember that I came home and the cupboard was empty. The pantry was absolutely empty. There wasn't a can of peas. 23 cent peas from Aldi. There was nothing. I mean, there was nothing. There wasn't a bag of beans, a dried beans. There was nothing. And Deanna looked up there, and I, I walked, and she was standing there looking at the empty pantry. All we had was a half a thing of Miracle Whip and some mustard and some ketchup that had moss grown on the top of it. That's all we had in the refrigerator. We had nothing. We didn't have bread. We had nothing. And we're looking, and Deanna is looking into the pantry, and I, and I come up to beside her. And I put my arm around her. She's got tears streaming down her face. And she says, what are we going to eat? I said, I don't know, baby, but I know God's a provider. She goes, the pantry is empty, honey. What are we going to do? And I said, we're going to pray. She says, why don't you call your mama? <laughs> Call mama because mama not going to let baby starve, right? She had enough sense. And while you're praying, you know, I'm going to be over here calling mama. She's going to send us a check because we know mama is not going to let the baby starve, right? And she says, why don't you call your mama? And I said, no, we're going to call on somebody that's bigger than my mama. I said, we can't trust my mom and dad for the rest of our life. We're going to have to depend on Jehovah Jireh. Yes. And I'll never forget, we lay hands on the empty shelves in our pantry. As poor Bible college students, I laid hands on that pantry and I said, God, you said that your children would never be begging for bread. And so, God, I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how it's going to happen. But, God, I am believing that you're going to fill this pantry. And we're going to believe you to provide for our need. You are Jehovah Jireh. Your provision will be made known and manifest. When I opened my eyes up, it's still empty. Wasn't nothing. I mean, even the mouses got so hungry they went to our neighbors. I mean, there wasn't nothing. <coughs> and you could say, well, you could be, you. What, was she not discouraged? Well, I mean, I don't know what I expected God to do. I just expected him to do something. Well, it was Wednesday. So what do you do on Wednesday night? Back then you went to church. So we went to church. We got to the church house. We didn't say nothing to nobody. We didn't ask anything of anybody. We just did what we normally did. I, I got up there. I led worship on Wednesday night. Went off and broke down into our kind of small groups type environment that we did on Wednesday nights. And as I was going back at the end of the service, I was going back to the office dropped something off at the church office. One of the guys said, hey, pastor, look, we um, we took the cows down to slaughter and we just wanted to, we wanted to bless you a little bit. So we noticed your van was open. We put a couple things in there. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Walked on down the hall. Another one of the guys, we had just started a food pantry. We bought a walk-in freezer at the church and just started a food pantry and he said, Pastor, we bought too much food. How do you buy too much food for a food pantry? Right? 
He said, you know, we had a little extra that we don't have room in the store, so we put a little bit in the van. We noticed it was open. Had an Astro van. That is not a cool van to have. As a 19-year-old young married, there was not an ounce of coolness in it. I was a youth pastor, so it was really pathetic. No coolness in me. And I walk out to the van, and I find Deanna in the same position that she was in front of that pantry. But she had opened the van door. She had tears streaming just like she did in the pantry. But from the back to the seats, there was nothing but food. Nothing but food. We came home that night and we began to fill our pantry. And from the top of it to the bottom of it, we had to put food in our closet. Because we didn't have clothes at that time anyway, so we had room in there too. Had four suits. They were big. But I mean, I only had four, right? And then we start going, we just uh, we just had a little meat that we put in there. And I was I was like, this is a this is a roast. This is like this is this is a roast. I'm talking somebody ought to run the aisles. I'm talking about a roast. I'm about $28 roast. There were like four of them. I was like, how many cows did they kill? <laughs> we stacked it up in our freezer. We we went by one of the the other Bible college students lived a lot. I knocked on the door. I said, dude, I got, I don't have so much meat. I, 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 my refrigerator's full. My freezer's full. Can I put some stuff down in here? And he goes, oh, you blessed us? I said, no, I'm blessing me. Would you let it go in your freezer? <laughs> I'm like, God, do your miracle. I'm just going <laughs> to. See, when we focus on what we do not have, and we do not engage our faith, we will constantly walk in ingratitude. Sometimes you just got to thank God for what you don't even have. Sometimes you just got to give God glory for what you know he's about to do. Well, I could tell those stories all day long. Our faith is a positive expectation that God's going to do something. If we're going to not walk in an attitude that is ungrateful, we have to begin to engage our faith in our daily lives. If you want to live an ungrateful life, number two is you ought to compare what you have to what other people have. Compare what you have to others that have more. I don't know how it is at your house, but my wife can bring me a piece of pie. I can be happy. That's right. I mean, doesn't a piece of pie just heal the brokenness of your soul? Right? I get a piece of pie and I hold it in my hands and I'm so thankful for that pie. Ah, yeah, right? And it just feels so good. You're, you're so content in that piece of pie, right? You're so thankful for that piece of pie, right? Come on, somebody help yeah. me. Oh, yeah. And then she sits down with her piece of pie and her piece is bigger. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, the joy that I had over my pie has now become, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold up, wait a minute, what's up with your piece of pie? And you start, we have to make, we have to get a root around our house. Because right? we don't want to start fights, we have to make sure, right? But isn't it true? And 
you can you can receive something good, but the moment that you begin to try to compare it to somebody else, it's going to rob you of your joy. Yeah. Of your time. Yeah. If you want to be ungrateful, look around at what you think other people have. I found out that people want what I have but don't want to do what I did to earn it. Come on. I lived that way when I first got married. I don't know why I'm talking about this. It's just kind of where my, my mind is, where my heart is. I remember when Deanna and I first got married. I said, hey, it's Sunday. She goes, yeah. Well, it comes around once a week. And I said, well, after church, we're going down to the restaurant to eat. She goes, we got money to do that? I said, yeah. Sunday. Because see, when I grew up, that's what my parents did. We went to church and we went to Shawnee's. Mm. Oh, Hot lunch. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm something. All that Thanksgiving stuff going on. Don't forget Friendsgiving. Woo. Oh, be good. Cornbread dressing coming. But what I realized is that my dad actually had a job. <laughs> and I was a student in Bible college. Right? Hello? Like, he worked. Two jobs, actually, to get the stuff that he had. And what I realize is that that when, when you don't put money in the bank account and you spend it out, it disappears and nothing just magically comes back. I wanted to live in a way that my parents lived without earning and working all the years that they did to do it. I was comparing my life to theirs. But I hadn't done what I needed to do to get there. And anytime you compare yourself to someone else, you're always going to be losing your joy. The next thing, if you want to live an ungrateful life, is resent God for where you're at in life. Resent God for where you're at in life. The psalmist said, I've done everything. He's telling God, look, I've done everything. God, I've done it all. I've done everything you expected me to do. And yet here I am. Have you ever done that? Have you ever blamed God for where you were? It's a wonderful way to live a very ungrateful life. About two years ago when we moved into our house, we felt like we needed a shelf in the master bathroom, so we went to Bed Bath & Beyond and bought a shelf. I was very surprised to find out that that shelf wasn't a shelf. It was a box. In that box, it had parts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, apparently, when you open the box, a shelf doesn't appear. That's true. <laughs> so Deanna and I started laying out all of these parts. Uh -huh. And... I don't know how it is at your house, and this is very transparent, to be honest with you. Um, but I feel like it's a shelf. How hard can this be? I'll go get my DeWalt drill with a fully charged battery, and this ain't going to be done. Right? How many of you know Miss Deanna? It's not about to let that happen. No, she's digging for the what? Instructions. Why is it that men don't like instructions? We hate, we don't even want a manual to tell us how to do it. Right? We're so stubborn, right? And I'm telling you, put those down. There's only a handful of screws. It's a couple of shelves. I, 
So there was some heated dialogue, some intense discussion. She left the room and I put the shelf together. And 16 screws left over. I didn't even need them. That's not good. That's fine. 16 screws left over. Four and a half weeks of marriage counseling. No. Deanna comes back in the room. She says, well, it looks beautiful. Are you ready to try it with the instructions now? I said, yes, ma'am. I think it's a good idea. Break it out. Read number step. Step number one. Because I tried it my way. It didn't work. And the truth is, is that God's given us the instructions. And just like we do, we feel like, eh, we don't need them. I know how this is supposed to be. I know what God would want. I, I, I know, right? And so we live our life without looking at the instructions. And then we get mad because it didn't turn out. But we never looked at the instructions, did we? I wasn't mad at the shelf. I was mad at me for letting the shelf look like that. But a lot of times I felt, come on, how many of you know, a lot of times Christians, they don't get, they don't get mad at themselves. No. Man, they blame the church. Yeah. They blame the pastor. They blame the choir director. They blame the, the chairs were in the wrong location. They were the wrong, it was the wrong temperature. They blame everything, but they won't go back to the fact that they didn't follow God's instructions. And then they're resentful for where they're at. I remember one time I was sitting in my office counseling this individual. And, and so I said, well, let me just let me just show you what the Word of God says on that. So I opened up the Word of God and I began to read to him. And I said, do you understand that? Do you get that? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, yeah. I said, doesn't that make sense what God's asking you to do? And that if you'll do this, you'll have peace in your life. Can you see the wisdom in what God's saying in his Word? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, so when you leave today, I need you to do that. And he goes, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and so the next time he called me for a counseling appointment, I said, this is easy. You, we don't have to book any time. Go back and do what the book says to do. Yeah. We don't need to talk about it anymore. Because you didn't follow the instructions. You felt like your way was the best way. And now you're mad at God because you're not. And if you want to live an ungrateful life, ignore his instructions. And then wonder why there's chaos in your life. Every time that I've walked in a place in my life full of sorrow, it's because I left the instruction manual off to the side and tried to do it my way. Every time. Every time, the biggest mess I made in my life is when I decided to put this on a bookshelf to collect dust because I felt like I knew everything that it said. I felt like I knew everything that it said. And so I could just do my own thing. I don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, you see how that turned out. The Bible simply says that we ought to thank God in all things. The book of Thessalonians teaches us that. The book of Philippians teaches us that. But Thessalonians 5.18 says, In all things give thanks. In all things give thanks. 
But he only says not, not only in all things to give thanks, but he says, think about the right things. And in Philippians chapter 4, he gives us a list of things to think about. Now, everybody say Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. It's not found in Instagram. <laughs> There's no word in Instagram. Hello? Let me check. Pull up my Insta. I don't have it. Oh, there it is. Well, that's about his service. Murphy's room. That's great. That interpretive dance there. But there's no word. Right? Yep, still no word. Oh, there's. Hey, come to church Sunday. Restoration Church. Yep, no word. Got the Tennessee dog right there. No encouragement. Cute little dog. Right? Well, I can switch over to reels and start listening to them, right? Because I can find encouragement there, right? No, because here's what I'll do. So I'll do this for hours. Hello? And then when it comes to trying to find the word, we go, I don't know the word. I don't have time. I don't have time for the word. You got a blister on your finger. Come on. It ain't from turning the Bible. Page. Right? We have time. And there's nowhere on Facebook that you will find you'll find all kinds of people's opinions about what you ought to do with your life. But God tells you right here in Philippians chapter 4 what you ought to be thinking about. But we allow the news, we allow this culture, we allow this world, we allow our neighbor, we allow anybody that just happens to speak into our life to let them control our heart and our attitude and our mindset. But my Bible teaches me in Philippians chapter 4 to think about these things. And he gives me a list. Whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of good report. Think about these things. Think about these things. Not all the stuff that's going on, not who was elected or not elected. God's still on the throne. We're not serving that kingdom anyway. Hello? Focus on what he instructs us to focus on. And it'll change your mindset and it'll change your attitude from an ungrateful heart to an attitude of gratitude. Think about these things.